All right. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Hey, welcome, welcome. Good to have everyone in the house. My name is Steve Husky. I'm the lead pastor. Just want to say to everybody here, man, welcome. Good to have you here if you're a faith family. I want to say welcome to our Florence location. Can we give it up to everybody in Lawrenceburg, man? Welcome our faith family up there. And everybody else watching online, again, we say this from time to time, truly it is shocking to me how many people tune in online and watch the messages either live or watch it later during the week once it's posted. But uh, just two weeks ago, I had the opportunity to speak to a young lady that's been watching our services for about six months in Maine. Someone shared a clip who shared a clip who shared a clip, and she liked it and been tuning in. And so, uh, man, it's amazing. So welcome, everybody online. It's good to have you guys with us. Listen, man, I just want to continue to encourage everybody here every week to open up your heart, man. Allow God into your life, into your situation, into what's going on, into your opportunity, into your problem. We believe that Jesus is the hope of the world. And if you'll allow him access to your life, man, he will change you in a profound way. Amen. Come on. Is anybody here grateful for the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, last week we opened up this new series with this idea that all of us are acquainted with people. And the closer you get to them, really, the more you get to know somebody, the more you're aware of who they are and really what they can do. And so the more you know somebody, the more you can access their abilities. Once you become aware that someone has certain techniques or abilities or wisdom, the more you know them and more you know what they can do, the more you can tap into that. Well, the same is true with Jesus. That The more you know Jesus, the, the more you are aware of who he is, the more you can access his abilities. If you don't really know, if you've only heard, but you don't know that he's a savior, you'll never go to him to find forgiveness. If you don't know how powerful he is in in the midst of a struggle or a problem, you'll never turn to the one who can break chains, who can set people free, who can flip-flop situations, who can open doors that no man can open. Once you know who he is, and the more we discover who he is, the more we can access the abilities and the grace and the mercy and the power that Christ has. And so how do we get to know him? Ultimately, Jesus came, and through his ministry, part of it was introducing himself making it very clear and plain who he is. And he did that by, first of all, showing us who he was. Again, man, when you read the Gospels, when you read the accounts of the life of Christ, you find him doing all kinds of incredible things. You see powerful, transforming miracles. We see him healing sick people. We see him calming storms. We see uh, casting out demons. It's a way that Jesus made it very clear that he has authority. Everything that's over you is under him. Not only did he show us, but he spent time to tell us who he was. And so the purpose of this series in particular is to look at seven sayings that Jesus made. They are called the I am statements because Jesus prefaced each statement with the words, I am. Everybody say, I am. You're not. He is. But I am. He said, I am. And he made statements like this. He said that I am the bread of life. He would say things like, I'm the the door we looked at last week. I am the living water. And so each one of these were an introduction into who he was. And so the challenge is for us to lean in and listen because what's really powerful about the I am statements is first of all, Jesus starts with these first two words, I am. And it's not the way that we would introduce ourselves that I am a pastor or I am a father. When Jesus said I am, he was using the very name of God. He was in, in, in essence, he was saying, I am God, because I am is the way that God introduced himself to Moses back in the Old Testament. It was a way of God saying, I am, I'm eternal, I've always been, I have no beginning and I have no end. And that's exactly 
what Jesus was saying. So in these seven I am statements, four which we are looking at, it's a way of Jesus saying, I'm always, this is who I've always been, this is who I'll always be. And then he hooks that eternal name, the name of God, up to a metaphor. Again, bread, a door, water, tapping into needs that all of us in this room have. And so today I want to look at one of the statements Jesus made, one of the seven I am statements, where Jesus claims to be the light of the world. So check it out, John chapter 8. Come on, everybody shout, I am. John chapter 8, verse 12. Everybody here, come on, lift your voice with me. Let's read God's word together. It says, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. The Pharisees replied, you're making those claims about yourself. Such a testimony is not valid. And Jesus told them these claims are valid even though I make them about myself. For I know where I came from and I know where I'm going, but you don't know this about me. You judge me by human standards, but I don't judge anyone. If I did, my judgment would be correct in every, every respect because I am not alone. The Father who sent me is with me. So before we get into the idea of Jesus being the light of the world, I want you to know he makes this statement to a group of religious teachers. And uh, man, immediately they have pushback because they don't like, first of all, the claim that Jesus is making that he's God. And they recognize his claim because notice he says, I know where I came from. Jesus, in essence, is pointing back to the beginning. Not his beginning because he has no beginning, but Jesus is pointing back to our beginning. He's pointing back to the beginning of creation where he says, I know where I came from, connecting it with this idea of light. In fact, check it out. Genesis chapter 1 is the beginning. It says it that way. Genesis 1 verse 1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Come on, read this with me. And the earth was formless, come on, shout formless, and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. The Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Jesus is saying, that was me. I did that. I was there. Jesus is saying when he said, I'm the light of the world, he's saying, I'm the light that came into darkness. I'm the light that came into a void. I'm the light that came into chaos. And where the light came, I want you to notice something. In the middle of darkness, when light came, darkness fled. I just want you to know right up front about the power of the light that Jesus is. If you're here and you're under a darkness or under a heavy spirit or if you're in depression or anxiety, if you would describe yourself as like, man, I just feel like I'm in a season of darkness. Like, I just feel like I'm walking under a cloud, like I wake up, like I wake up exhausted, I wake up heavy. I want you to know the light at the beginning of creation that forced out darkness is still a light that's alive today, and he can move the darkness out of your life if you'll give him the opportunity. He says he not only was the light that pushed out the darkness, but he was the light, again, it says that the earth was void and formless. There was a void, it was empty, but when the light came, it started populating and filling up with creation. One of the things that you'll hear as a common moniker of Christ followers is really how satisfying Christ is. Sometimes you don't recognize how empty this world is when you only fill it with this world. We live in a world where people pursue so many things, and and many of them are good, but at the end of the day, they will all leave you essentially thirsty and empty. 
And you can pursue the car and the degree and the guy and the house and the money. You can pursue it all, and it will never satisfy. And what Jesus is saying is, man, so many things in this world will leave you void. But Jesus said, I am the light who will fill you up. And so he not only drives out darkness, and he not only fills the void, but I want you to hear this, man. He brings order to the chaos. The earth was formless and void. Jesus brought order. When you allow the light of Christ into you, he starts to bring order. He'll bring order to your finances. Come on, he'll bring order to your home. He'll bring order to the way you think. When you let the light in, the light at the beginning that pushed out darkness, filled the void, and brought order to chaos is the light that Jesus claimed to be and is the light that still is. And if you'll allow him to shine into your light, he'll do the same thing for you. And so check this out. John, the writer of one of the biographies of the life of Jesus, he recognizes that Jesus, when he came into this world, that again, that he had always been, and he was the light at the beginning. And so he writes these words, again, pinning them about Jesus and his claim. John 1, he says, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God and God created everything through him. And nothing was created except through him. And the word gave light to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. Come on, everyone read this with me. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. Come on, I'm thankful that no matter how much darkness I'm in, the light in me is greater than the darkness I'm in. Listen, the darkness can never extinguish the light. Once you get in the light, I'm tell- no matter how much darkness pushes against you, light will always win. And he makes this statement, verse 9. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone. Back then, John was writing. He said, man, he's here. He's, he's coming into this world. And Jesus came, God in the flesh, to be the light of the world. And I just want you to notice just a couple things. He says, again, this light, he gives it to everyone. That just means it's available. It doesn't mean everybody does have it. It just means everybody can have it. The light that Jesus offers is a lot like his salvation. Jesus died for the sin of the whole world. Everyone has the capacity to find salvation, but not everybody's walking in it. You have to make a choice. Even though salvation is available to everybody, everyone has to make a personal choice to put their trust in Christ. The same thing, man, the light of the world, it's available to everyone in this room. Everybody watching online, the light of the world's available to you, but you have to make a choice to open your life up to that light and walk in it. And so how do you do it, man? He makes this statement. How do we we get into the light? Well, Jesus says it again, John 8, 12, which I would encourage you, if you never have, this is a good place to start. If you already do it, this is a good place to jump in. I would encourage everybody in this room, everybody in Lawrenceburg, to memorize John 8, 12. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. Think about that. And you no longer need to walk in darkness. You don't have to walk in darkness. But you can follow the light that leads to that life. And so how do we get it? He he says, if you follow me, I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, you'll no longer walk in darkness. So how do we get the light, man? How do we get this this darkness driving, void filling, order creating? How do we get this light? You have to follow Jesus. Everybody shout follow. Follow is a calling to proximity. What Jesus is inviting us to is to get close to him. He says to every one of his disciples, come and follow me. And he's not talking about being close just in how close we get physically. 
In fact, if I were to ask all the married couples in this room, if I were to say, hey, tell me how close are you to your spouse? How close are you? Well, automatically, you don't think, well, we live under the same roof and we sleep in the same bed, so we're physically close. No, that's not how we judge closeness. How we judge it is, if I said, how close are you to your spouse? You start thinking, how close am I intimately? How close am I relationally? Which means you can be physically close to somebody and you can be distant from them emotionally. What Jesus is saying is, don't just come and hang out where you think I am in a building on Sunday, but come and get close to me. Come and pursue me. Come and get to know me. And listen, when you come and get close to him, you will walk in the light of Christ. The closer your approximation, the greater his illumination. The light never gets any brighter, but when you get closer to the light that Jesus is, the more it will shine on you, in you, and through you. So come and get close. If you want the light, get close. If you want the light, start pressing in through prayer and worship. Start getting close to him. Start, start pushing in every, every morning when you wake up. Get close to him. Follow Jesus, and you will be where the light is, and the light will illuminate you. Come on, everybody shout the light. Watch this. He says this when you, when you do this. Watch this. He says, you don't, have to, you don't have to walk in darkness. Walking in darkness is a lifestyle. Anytime you read the word walk in the New Testament, which is there over and over, it's a synonymous term with your lifestyle. You have a financial walk. How you handle your money, spend your money, save your money, it's a walk. It's a lifestyle. And your lifestyle is probably different than my lifestyle. And so when the Bible talks about our walk, it's talking about how you handle your life, how the lifestyle you're in. And so when Jesus says you no longer have to walk in darkness, he's saying the way you carry yourself in life, the life you walk, he says it doesn't have to be in darkness if you'll get close to him. Illumination, this is what his offer is. An illumination is an offer of revelation. The closer you get to the light, the more you'll start getting the details. The more things will start, you'll start seeing things with greater clarity. When, uh, when, I was, uh, when I was a kid, some of you guys heard me talk about my life. I grew up with two older brothers, and uh, I, we grew up right now, kids have their own room, and now kids not have their own room, they have their own bathroom. What are we doing? Like, when I grew up in a house, come on, somebody's got to help me out. We had three brothers in one room, and we had one tiny bathroom for a family of five. Come on. Sometimes we'd get in the tub together, because that's how we rolled. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We didn't do that, but... <laughs> So listen, I'm, I'm the youngest of three brothers, and I'll never forget this. When I was probably five or six years old for Christmas, I remember asking for it. I don't know why, but I asked for a ventriloquist dummy, which are one of the creepiest things ever created on the planet. And so my parents bought me for Christmas this ventriloquist dummy named Willie Talk. Now, I didn't name him Willie. His name on the box was Willie. And so I would put Willie on the bottom of my bed when I was a kid, and I'll never forget one night, I'm sleeping, sound asleep, and my bladder called. Come on, y'all know the bladder call. And so I woke up as a little kid, had to go to the... And I'll never forget, in the darkness of my room, a little bit of moonlight coming in, I look at the end of my bed, and there is this devil. I don't know what it is. It's about a three-foot-tall guy looking at me, waiting to attack me and rip my throat out. I freaked out. Ah! And when I start screaming, my brothers start laughing I jump up and flip the light on. Here, they had taken Willie Talk and hooked him to a vacuum cleaner and put a shirt on him. <laughs> Y'all think it's funny because you're not paying the counseling bills. That's why you think it's funny. I'm telling you, listen, man, everybody knows when you're a kid, it's just natural to be scared, right? I'm just telling you, there was never any monsters under your bed. You know how I know that? Because they was all under my bed. 
So when I woke up, it, what, I, what I could see, watch this, what I could see in the darkness, I could see an outline, I could see a little bit of a figure, but once I clicked the light on, I was able to clearly see the details that it wasn't a guy, it was just a dummy at the end of my bed. Are you all hear what I'm telling you? And what Jesus is saying is, I'm the light of the world. The more darkness you have, the less detail you have. So what Jesus is offering is saying, you need detail and clarity in your life. In darkness, there's an ambiguity. There's an obscurity. You can only see outlines. You can only see minor things. But the more illumination you have, the more revelation you have. The more light you have, the more detail you have. So when Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, he is offering to give us detail in things right now that we only see dimly. And so he offers this in a lot of places, but I just want to cover three of them real quick. Three places that I think many of us maybe could admit that maybe we don't see as clear as we need to, that we don't have the illumination that probably we need, that Jesus promises to be when he makes the promise that I am the light of the world. Three places we need this light is how we should see God, how we should see ourselves, and how we should see others. Now think about this for a second. We talk about how we should see how we should see God. When I say the word or the term God, what picture jumps to mind? How do you envision who God is? I mean, everybody has some kind of mental picture. Maybe you're like, hey, God's not even there. God doesn't exist. Or if you're here and you're a theist, you believe in God, which is probably obviously the majority of you in church. But probably all of us in this room, we have a different picture, a different image, a different of idea of who God is or what God is like. For some of us, God is a cosmic cop, just blowing the whistle anytime he catches us having a good time, like just waiting to catch us and mess up our life. Some of us, we don't envision God as a cosmic cop. Some of us, we envision God as a, an old man, right, sitting on a rocking chair in a nebula with a long white beard, half senile, not really paying attention to his creation. He's out there, but disengaged. Some of you, you grew up on a Sunday morning, and every Sunday you heard messages of hellfire and brimstone, and your picture of God is a picture of a God who's mad at the world, and he's happy about people going to hell, and he's just looking forward to throwing as many people there as possible. And so all you do is you just keep your head down like you just hope God doesn't recognize you, and you just try to be as good as you can, but as soon as you mess up, you know God's mad at you, and you're probably right on the, like, God's just waiting to, like, and kick you off. Everybody has a picture of what God is. Do you know why Jesus came? Jesus came to be the light of the world, to give us clear detail of what the Father's like. He doesn't want you to walk in ambiguity. He doesn't want you to walk in vagueness of what God is like. He wants to give us a clear revelation through illumination of who God is. In fact, he says this in John 14, 9, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. You want to know what God is like? Look at Jesus. He said, boom, God in the flesh. And when you look at Jesus, you see amazing things. Sometimes we wonder, does God care that I'm going through this? Does God care I lost a baby? Does God care I lost a job? Does God care I'm in the middle of the divorce? Does God care? And maybe your picture of God gives you a picture that God doesn't care, but Jesus came. And every time people go through something difficult in the New Testament, when Jesus comes across people who are sick, it's recorded, and he was moved with compassion. 
When Lazarus died, one of his friends and two females that followed him were followers of his when they heard that Lazarus had died. You know what it says? Jesus was moved with compassion, which tells me that when you go through heartache, when you go through a breakup, when you go through a divorce, when you go through disease, God is moved with compassion. He cares about what's hurting you and harming you and overcoming you. Listen, how do we know what God is like? Because Jesus came to illuminate the Father. He came to show us. We have pictures that, man, that again, we grew up in churches or we grew up with mentalities that, that God is just an ogre that hates everybody. I just want to be clear. God absolutely hates sin. He is holy and he hates anything that's unholy. However, does that mean he just hates us? Absolutely not because you find that Jesus, God in the flesh who came to illuminate the Father, he hung out with. His people were sinners. He came and he hung out with sinners and tax collectors, which were the worst kind of sinners. When a prostitute was thrown at his feet, caught in the act of adultery, he didn't point his finger at her. He threw mercy at her and told her to go and sin no more. So I just want you to know something. Jesus came to give us a clear picture of what God is like. Right now we have, again, we have this darkness. And Jesus said, you don't have to walk in darkness because I came to be the light of the world. Not just to be the light to help us to see who God is, but the light of the world is to help us to see who we are. And I don't know if you know this, but social media is not real. It's fake. 24-7, 365. In fact, I thought about this. I probably won't do it, and you'll thank me for not doing it, but you just use your imagination. I would like maybe for the next week. In fact, I'm going to throw the gauntlet down to third service. I double dog dare you, which means you got to do it. That's what that means. I double dog dare you for one week to only post legit pictures. Post the first picture. Post the picture when you're red-faced after arguing with your wife. Post the picture of your kid when you're hitting him in the back of the head because he won't smile and stand still when you're trying to get a family picture. Po don't point a picture of your bicep where you're like, just stand, like you're standing in the mirror, but you know, you're like. <laughs> point a picture with some fat hanging out. I dare you. Because social media is not real. I don't know if you know this, but we, we just, we buy the hype about ourselves that we got it all together and life's perfect and, and we got a great marriage and my kids never misbehave and I got Benjamins in the bank and my car never breaks down and my roof never leaks and life is good. And I'm just telling you, we need to come to the place where we recognize we are broken people because as long as you buy the lie you're good, you'll never go to a savior. But once we realize we're broken, we'll run to the person who can fix us and heal us and that's Jesus. And so Jesus came to be the light of the world, to show us who we really are, that we're not as good as we think we are. We are broken, hurting people. In fact, one of the most holy men who ever lived, his name was Isaiah. He was a prophet. He was a man of God. It's who people looked up with. And they didn't say, I want to be like Mike. They said, I want to be like Isaiah. I want to have my act together like Isaiah. I want to live good and holy like Isaiah. I want to be one of God's favorites like Isaiah. You want to know what happened to Isaiah when the light shone on him? When he's standing in the light of Christ, he said this, one of the holy men who lived. He said, then I said, it's all over. I'm doomed for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. See, Jesus said, I've come to put a light on you. That watch the closer you get, the brighter you're lit. The closer you get to Jesus, the more you know him. It starts to expose who you really are. 
Isaiah, when he got in the presence of God, he started figuring out, I'm, I'm not really as good as everybody thinks I'm. I'm a sinful man. Here, try this one on. I'm a sinner. Could you dare let those words slip out of your mouth? See, it's funny because we will downplay it. We will, I'm not as bad as they are. I mean, I'm, I'm not horrible, but I'm, you know, I'm pretty good. I mean, I told a white lie once, but that's all. I stole something, but it was just a pencil. I slept with her, but we're engaged and we're going to be married. Oh, come on. I'm getting out there now. And so we just kind of minimize it like I'm not that bad. And I'm just telling you, as long as you're not that bad, you'll never need the one that, that is that good. But once we see the light and say, man, I, I'm broken and I'm sinful and I'm struggling, I need help, that drives us to the one who can forgive us, who can heal us, and who can restore us. We need the light to expose who we really are. When I was, um, when I was a kid, I remember, anybody have parents that would tell you don't touch anything? Like, you walk into a store or a house and don't touch anything. Like, you just have to stand here like, can I touch the floor or should I levitate, you know? <laughs> don't touch anything. And I remember always as a kid being very curious. Like, I needed to know what's in that drawer. And so when people weren't looking, I was in some drawers, you know. I was in cupboards. And I'll never forget my grandmother. When I would go into a bathroom, I'd always, like, have to look around and, you know, the mirrors and check things out and I remember my grandmother had this mirror, like just, it sat right in the corner, I think it was on the toilet, and it was just a regular mirror, but you would flip the mirror over, and some of you have mirrors like this, and when you would turn the mirror over, there was another mirror on the other side, and it was like super magnified, and it wasn't just super magnified, but it had a light on it, come on, anybody know, and you look pretty good in a regular mirror, but once you flipped it on and the light kicked on, oh, good Lord, is that what I look like? I mean, your pores are this big. You could see all the blemishes and pock marks, and you could see it all. Well, listen to me. All of that mess had already been there. The, the corruption was always there, but what exposed it was the light. Come on. The, the closer you get, the brighter you're lit. When you get close to Jesus, you start to see that I don't have it all together, again, which is a good thing because it drives us to the Savior. He is the light of the world. And last thing, it doesn't just help us see who God is. It doesn't just help us see who we are. Jesus came to be the light of the world so we could see others. Because I don't know if you ever picked this up, but have you ever noticed that we tend to see the beauty, see our beauty in other people's brokenness? Like we see how we got it all together and everybody else is falling apart. We tend to see and we tend to point out where other people are struggling, but we never recognize our struggles. I just want you to know that in the kingdom of God, we have that flip-flopped and upside down. We're not called to see our beauty in other people's brokenness. In the kingdom, as a Christ follower, we're called to see our brokenness in other people's beauty. And I'm just telling you right now, that's not happening. And the place it should be happening the most in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's happening the least. And so Jesus came to be the light the light that determines how we see people. Because right now we're seeing people in obscurity. We're seeing them dimly lit. And we're making judgments call, judgment calls. And I want you to notice what John says. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 through 7. Listen to this. It says, this is the message that we have heard from him and we declare to you. God is light. And in him there is no 
darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship, which fellowship, again, is synonymous with following, if you say you're a Christ follower, if you say you're connected, if you say you're close to him, if you claim to have fellowship, watch this, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. Well, how do we know we're walking in darkness? Watch. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. He's saying when you're in the light, you start seeing God right in the right light. When you start seeing yourself in the right light, you start seeing others in the right light. It doesn't make you repel from people. It makes you run to people. We live in a society that's disjointed and disunified because we're looking at people in darkness. We're making judgment calls about people in darkness. And Jesus says, when you start seeing people through the light that I am, you'll start seeing their beauty and not their brokenness. You'll start seeing some things like this, that they're the creation of God. They're made in the image of God. They, they, the, the Son of God has died for them. They're the object of the love of God. When we start to see people the way God sees them, I'm telling you, we are seeing them through his light and we're drawn to them, not repelled by them. And that we live in a world, man, where we, we, we see people and we make all these judgment calls and we're divided from people and broken from people. And I wanted to be clear, if you don't hear anything else I say, I want you to hear this right here, that how we see others is an indisputable indicator of how much illumination we have. You say, but oh, pastor, I can tell you all about God. I can point you to scriptures. I can show you Bible studies. I can give you all the theology of the character, characteristics and attributes of God. That's great you see God. Pastor, I don't have it all together. You're right, I'm a sinner. That's great you see yourself. But the greatest indicator of the light you have is how you see others. And a lot of us, if we're honest, that's where we're falling short. I'm going to throw just a couple words out at us, and I want you just to think for a minute. When you hear these words, when you hear these names, when you hear these groups, how do you feel? What do you see? Like immigrants. I'm not telling you you can't have a political opinion. I'm just telling you you realize those are people first. In a political agenda, second. White people. Black people. Trump. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Rich people. Gay people. Poor people. Your ex. Oh, come on, it just got real. <laughs> Your neighbor. See, I can put all these things out, and here's what's funny is we start having these reactions, and we start seeing people's problems instead of their potential. We start seeing how the lens we see them through, which is dark, instead of the light which God sees them. Come on, I'm convinced that God speaks Spanish. Yeah. You know why? Because in the English language, we say things like this. We say a big blue house, a white man. We put the adjective before the noun. The, the Hispanic people, Spanish, they put the noun first and then the adjective. They don't say a white man. They say el hombre blanco, a man that's white. 
And I'm telling you, that's how we ought to see. We shouldn't see black people. We should see people who are black. We shouldn't see gay people. We should see people who have a sexuality. We shouldn't see white people. We shouldn't see Republican. We should see people, people who are made in the image of God, created by God, who are loved by God, who Jesus died. That's how we see them. And when you see first darkly and you're repelled by them rather than drawn to them, I'm telling you. You're not walking in the light you think you're walking, and I'm not walking in the light I think I'm walking. And it's easy to be swayed by CNN and Fox News. And it's easy to be swayed by the political culture we live in. It's easy to be swayed by the racism and bigotry we've been raised in. But as Christ followers, once we start walking in the light, he gives us definition. He gives us clarity to see people in a whole new light. Now, I'm not saying, I, I, some of you are like, well, pastors, shouldn't we address these issues? Shouldn't we have conversations? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. But let's be real clear. If we get them following the Jesus we follow, they'll have the light that we have. And they'll eventually see themselves the way God sees them. And we won't have to point it out. If you think you're seeing someone else's darkness, the chances you're not seeing their darkness, you're seeing through your darkness. They're not the ones in the dark. We're in the dark. Jesus said this. I love this. Y'all need to circle it, highlight it, print it on a t-shirt, put it on a bumper sticker, get a tattoo. Everybody getting tattoos. Get, get this tattoo. I dare you to get this tattoo. John 8, 15, this is what Jesus said. You judge me by human standards. Come on, everybody in this room, read these next five words. But I do not judge. Oh, come on, we can read it louder than that. What did Jesus say? Jesus said what? But I do not judge. Who do you think you are? Jesus said, I I mean, the judge said, I don't judge anybody. And we walk around putting people in boxes. Now, hang on, wait, before you send me an email, some of you already got your phone out, you're already like, dear pastor, I'm not saying, again, there are not issues to address, but you know how Jesus addressed the issue? Jesus addressed the issue by being the light of the world. Let me say it like this. How many people people here have ever gotten dressed in a semi-dark room and you thought you had it together until you got out in the sunshine? Like you thought you had on two black socks till you got out and you had on a black and a brown. You thought you put on a black shirt and a, and a black jeans. You got outside, you had a navy. And how do you know what I'm talking about? Nobody needed to point it out and say, oh man, you idiot. As soon as you got in the light, you realized you didn't have it all together. This is what Jesus said. Jesus isn't saying there's nothing to condemn, Jesus wasn't saying there's nothing to judge. He was saying, I don't need to walk around pointing it out because I'm the light. As soon as people get close to me, they get a revelation of who they are and that they're broken. I don't need to point it out. They see it for themselves, which means we don't need to go around shining the light in people's eyes. We need to go around being the light. Let your light so shine before men. They'll see their good works and glorify your Father. You don't need to shine the light in their eyes. Come on. And so it's just the way we see people. Faith Church needs to be a place that no matter what person, from what background, with what issue, with what problem walks through these doors, they are a person first. Before the white, black, Republican, Democrat, straight, gay, tall, short, rich, fat, bald, whatever, their hombre blanco, 
for the Blanco Hombre. <laughs> They're a person created by God in the image of God, died for by God, object of God's love before they're anything else. So Jesus said, I came to be a light because a lot of us are walking in darkness. We're living a life of obscurity, of vagueness. He said, I, I'll help you see God in a way you've never seen him. And I'll help you see yourself in a way you've never seen yourself. And I'll help you see others in a way you've never seen them. If, if you follow me, if you get close to me. And he said this, John 8, 12 again, Jesus spoke to them, people, once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light, come on, read those last words, that leads to life. I love it because, again, he's saying once you start following him, like your path starts becoming clear too. How many people in this room's ever had, the, again, the midnight bladder call as an adult? Like, you don't want to get up yet. You're like, come on, man, just one, you can do it. Hold out one more hour. And that bladder's screaming. And so you don't want to turn the light on because if you turn the light on, now you're up, right? So you try to find your way to the restroom in the middle of the night. And you think you're going to make it because you, you vaguely see outlines of furniture and dressers and beds. And then you kick a bed. Listen, you can be Baptist and you'll start speaking in tongues. You kick a bed in the middle of the night. Oh, oh, right? Oh. Well, why did you kick it? You didn't kick it because you wanted to kick it. You kicked it because you thought you thought you were taking a safe step. But the reason it wasn't safe is because it was in darkness. Jesus said, I can guarantee the steps you take will lead to life if you allow them to be illuminated. And I, in the light of the world, I'll illuminate your path and it'll lead to life. I'll illuminate the way you see God, illuminate the way you see yourself, and illuminate the way you see others. If you follow me, if you get close. And the closer you get, the more light you'll have. The more light you have, the more you'll know him. How many people in this room would say they need a little more light? How many people would say, honestly, come on, maybe you need to see God a little clearer. You need to see yourself a little clearer. I want every hand in this house right here. How many of us need to see others a little clearer? So, Father, with our hands up, let it be a sign of surrender before you. We recognize and we confess that oftentimes, unnecessarily, we walk in darkness. But Jesus, I pray that we would open up our hearts to the light of the world. Help us this week to follow you, to get close to you, that, God, we can walk in your light, that we can see by your light who you are, who we are, and who those around us are. Father, I thank you for that illumination that will change the path we're on and lead to life. In Jesus' name. And everybody who agreed said amen. Come on, can we honor the Lord for the word today? Hey, God bless you guys, man. Have a great day. We'll see you next week for week three. Bye, Am.